Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to Believe in Islanders. This is a very special week for New York Islanders fans. UBS Arena opens on Saturday when the Islanders play the Flames, and we are going to have a very special guest here to discuss the building. Welcome, Jim Bomback of Newsday. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So you have been a big reporter in the past about the Nassau Coliseum and Barclays Center. So how important is UBS Arena for the Islanders and for Long Island? You know, I mean, it, that obviously was the talking point uh, that we've heard since the 1980s, really, um, that that the Coliseum was getting, you know, antiquated and old. I mean, it was basically built in the era when everything, you know, within years was was old. So uh, essentially, um, you know, we were hearing that they needed a new Coliseum for their um, to, for their revenue streams, for you know, for the for the team to become more viable as, as the uh, as it became far more big market money and that type of thing. And we heard about from Long Island's perspective that, you know, they're going to be a, a small market unless they can, you know, get a, an upgraded uh, Coliseum or, or, or nice, nicer uh, arena, newer arena. So we've been hearing that for so long. Um, I, I, I am one that, um, you know, I'm the one that's not going to say, it was def- definitely needed for Long Island. And I'm not going to say it was definitely needed for the Islanders. Clearly, the Islanders needed uh, something better than the Coliseum. Uh, clearly, Long Island needed a newer Coliseum. Uh, how important is it? I mean, that, that's that's something we're going to find out. You know, there's so many unanswered questions that that we've always been hearing for all these years. Um, and now we're going to find out for real. Like our, our one of the biggest ones that I can't wait to find out. And really, the pandemic kind of throws a little cold water on this. But like, you know, the Islanders have never drawn. I mean, there's no way around that. And and the argument was always, well, they they stunk for 10 billion years, and then uh, they were playing in a, an antiquated arena um, that people were trained not to go to. Uh, well, now they're good. I mean, obviously, this year has been a little rough, rougher start, but they've been good for some time. And uh, now they have this brand new arena and the newest arena is always the nicest. Um, so now that argument's going to be completely uh, you know, shot. So it's like, are they going to draw? Like, that's that's an unanswered question. So the answer to your question, how important is it? I guess we'll find out. I mean, if, if life doesn't change for the Islanders and if life doesn't change um, for Long Island, then maybe it wasn't so important. That being Said, uh, let me let me say, you know, what most important for the Islanders to change was was uh, the right ownership, and, and clearly they have ownership now that's big league and 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 major major league. They have major league ownership, and that's and that you can see the difference just in in and how the team and franchise has transformed in the last uh, X number of years. Let's talk about those owners. John Ledecky and Scott Malkin have made it a priority to make this arena state of the art. Just how much of an improvement? Is it over the days of Barclays Center and Nassau Coliseum? Thanks to these two owners. Yeah. So, I mean, yes, this is large. This is 99% because of the new owners. Uh, you know, Charles Wong definitely got the ball rolling uh, at Belmont, um, but there's a politics game that has to be played. And uh, Charles, if he were alive today, would admit that he was not good at playing that politics game. Uh, you know, that's why the lighthouse project was not built, uh, not all his fault, not, you know, some of it's his fault. You know, I don't know if he would admit that back in the day, but, but some of it was his fault. You got to play this politics game. It's a fact of life. The, these owners understood the importance of doing that. Uh, they obviously also had, uh, 
big connections and, and, and big money. And, and those are, uh, those are major reasons why uh, this is happening. Um, I think, I think they came along at the perfect time um, for this to happen, because when you, when you think back to the, um, the timeline of this, you know, you know, Barclays um, it's hard to really put that in any real perspective because it's almost like a blip, you know, you know, even though it was their permanent home and was billed as their permanent home, I think in retrospect, it was never their permanent home. Mm. It just, you know, it was clearly um, not the answer. And it was almost that way from day one. And and so it's hard to really put that into perspective. Uh, You know, even just seeing the the pictures of the ice at UBS arena, um, you know, just to see the scoreboard centered, it's kind of funny. It's like, you know, that, that, Barclays was just never a hockey home. And, um, but the Islanders are not here without Barclays center, you know, Charles Wong, uh, for, uh, whether it was right or wrong, you know, decided to pull out and take his ball and go home and say, we're going to Barclays before the lease was up. You know, I always thought that they were going to come up with a, a deal on 2015, I think was the year, uh, their lease was up. I always thought it was going to take down to the last minute, but he was, he was sick of it by then. So, you know, so to put it in perspective, I mean, this is just, it, it's, this is going to be the nicest arena in town. You know, obviously there is no Madison Square Garden and that's for, for everything. You know, the Madison Square Garden is the crown jewel. This will be the nicest arena. That's not the Madison Square Garden. You know, I think that's, that's easily the best way to put it. And that's for all, everything that comes with being an arena, you know. This building is not just a hockey arena. There's also a train station which is being built and plans for the Islanders to build a shopping center and a hotel nearby as well. So why was that so important, especially that train station and making sure UBS Arena was finalized? I do want to stop you on that question, though, because um, the shopping center, uh, last I checked, and I'm not, I, I admit I'm not completely up on it, but I'm I'm 99.9% sure of this. They still have not started broken ground on that shopping center, and they also have not broken ground on the hotel. Really? Uh, now, now that being said, you know there's no reason to believe it's not going to happen, just given that these owners. But they're also they built an arena in the middle of a pandemic. Um, so I think everything that we knew to be normal uh, pre-pandemic has to kind of just be checked a little bit. Hmm. So, so let's let's see them build that. Um, you know, they have the rights to it; they're contractually obligated to do it. You know, it would be troublesome uh, for them if they didn't do it. Um, but th- they haven't done it yet. So let's let's see that happen. Let's see the same thing happen at the hotel. Now, the uh, train station is obviously critical, without a doubt. Um, that was one of the major points in this. Uh, you know, largely because they needed the train station to um, help the community. That was something the community wanted to finally to uh, allow this, you know, tract of land to uh, to be developed. Uh, it needed that for community support. That's what community asked for. It, it also needed it because it's going to be uh, a traffic nightmare. Everybody knows that. Everybody expects that. I mean, I think Ledecky, I saw quoted uh, somewhere. I think I read it in the news today. Uh, online where he said it's going to be bumpy in the beginning. And it is. There's no way around it because our image of driving to an Islander game is not going to be what it is uh, at UBS because you're going to park a 10-minute walk away, which is fine in November, but January, February is going to be a little you know, tight. And then if you take the train, um, you know, it's not, it's almost like when you think about going to the Barclays the first time, you had to figure out uh, how to get out of that 
station. You had to cross the street, figure out where you were. You know, it's going to be very similar to that, except that you're 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 exiting the train on the other side of the uh, station, uh, the other side of the uh, Belmont Park. And then on top of all that, uh, it's not you can't board trains going back the other way yet. Uh, mm. And that's going to be another two years. Um, so people who are, I think they're getting bus to Queens village, uh, train station. So there's yes. a lot of these things that are, are, um, curveballs. Uh, the train station will get better over time. It's, it's just, it's going to be, uh, uh bumpy and, and you know what, I think, I think that's okay, but you, you, what is okay. It's a fact of life. It's just that, um, people are going to have to get used to it. Um, and it's going to be a slow roll. I think when we talk about this arena 10 years from now, a lot of us will have taken the train there. Um, I think when we talk about the arena this year and next year, most of us will not have taken the train there. So there's a lot of positives, of course, but you just brought up some interesting points. There's a parking dilemma. Newsday was first breaking that there weren't enough spots for people with disabilities. There's been a lot of complaining about certain issues with the timing. So this arena, it definitely is a brand new state-of-the-art arena, but uh, you bring up a good point. We have to look at it in an objective way and realize that there are some flaws. Yeah, I, I mean, a hundred percent, far more good than bad, without a doubt. Now, obviously, we have to see how it plays out and all that. There's going to be things we didn't anticipate, um, but this is when you look at this land and what it was. When we look at how Belmont Park is such a huge, huge area in the, you know, in, in basically in New York City, hasn't been developed and let's face it, horse racing is not growing. Um, this is a way to, to maximize the use of, of the area, uh, you know, not just for the Islanders, but for concerts, we're all going to see concerts there. We're all going to go to events there. I'm going with my brothers to the St. John's game there in a couple, a couple of weeks. So like, we're, it's, it's another avenue of entertainment. Um, it's just that, you know, we've all sat in traffic on the cross island parkway, you know, we've all, um, you know, getting there on the train is going to take a learning curve. You know, there's, there's going to be things like that. And then they also be respectful of the community. You know, there's people that live right around that area. Um, I think uh, this will be largely good for them because it's going to bring people there. You know, even though people argue over the economics, uh, people will be brought there. They will uh, spend any dollar spent is going to be more than it was spent before. You know, it's, there's, there's aspects of that and there's jobs, um, you know, there's going to be arena job, all that stuff is, is going to be positive. And it's also a positive when the Islanders are, are, you know, Islanders being good and playing in a good arena are good is good for long Island without a doubt. Um, but it's just a learning curve and, and there's going to be bumps without a doubt. And a big bump for Islanders fans will be some controversy that they are going through right now. Earlier today, your colleague Neil Best posted a photo that said no honking, no tailgating. And that was a sign outside UBS Arena. Is that really going to be enforced? So I'm, I'm actually I did not see that sign. And uh, I am impressed that they put that sign there um, because that is an issue that the community brought up. Um, you know, obviously, um, uh enforcing honking is a very uh, unusual thing. I mean, I, I, you yeah. know, we'll see how that's play out, but they're going to they're hundred percent. They're going to enforce the, uh, the tailgating. I mean, wow, that, really? that, that, I mean, I, I have no inside information that I, that I, that, but like that, that was in the, uh, all the documents from day one. And if I uh, recall correctly, and my mind is, uh, you know, 
pan has been pandemic. Uh, so it's hard to fully remember, but like if I go back to 2017 and these documents that came out and the environmental study afterwards, that, that was a rule that was in place already, uh, at Belmont. Uh, so it was something where, you know, it was in place for the community beforehand. And that was something the Islanders had to agree to as part of their, as mm. part of their bid. Um, you know, so, uh, so that being said, um, they are leasing the land, you know, they don't own the land, they're leasing the land from the state. So like, if they allow, if they, let's put it this way, if they turn their heads and say, you know, no tailgating, and then they'll turn around and walk away, and then you, you light up your grill and everything's fine, um, you know, that, that, that would be a problem. And they would have a problem with the state because, uh, you know, they, they would be breaking their, uh, you know, terms of their lease. You know, I've, I've been to Yankee stadium before where, um, I, uh, you know, he parked in the top of the parking garage and tried to tailgate with friends. This is years ago. And, and a security guard came around and said, you're not allowed to tailgate uh, in the garages. And I'm like, well, we're on top of the garage. What are you talking about? He's like, no, it's, it's a rule. So, I mean, they enforce that and I've tried it once, you know? So I, I, I and knowing that this is um, a hot button, I anticipate that they, they are going to be enforcing the tailgate. The honking is tough, difficult, but um, you know, I think, you know, I think the Islanders recognize the Islanders ownership recognizes that, that they have to be good neighbors. So how they're going to go about enforcing that is a very good question. But the other thing too, let's not forget the parking lot is a good 10 minute walk away. It's not like the Coliseum where you were out the door in a minute and then sitting in your car for like 40 minutes, you know, and, and leaving that lot, which was built, uh, you know, with not, it was built with parking spaces in mind. It was not built with entering and exiting in mind because it was built in the 19, you know, sixties and, and 70. So, um, this, this parking lot, I would imagine is going to be far more easier to get into and out of and walking back 10 minutes to get there and then getting in the car and just driving off, I think it will be less the passing time and honking than it was in the Coliseum, as, as strange as that analysis sounds. Wow, that's a very interesting analysis there. And there's also the Nassau Coliseum. About a year ago, you reported there was a proposal to downsize the building into a music theater. What's the current plan for that building to the best of your knowledge? So um, that plan was basically, that was put on by a, Oakview Group, and then the Islanders joined them in that plan. Uh, they pitched it to the new leaseholder of the Coliseum. The new leaseholder basically at that time was just trying to figure out, you know, I'm getting the keys to this place. You know, he basically inherited it because Prokhorov stopped paying the bills and said, I'm out of the arena business and, and left uh, and gave the keys back. So basically because they um, helped him with the loan. They took over the place. It's not an arena guy. The guy is a, a former Long Islander, lives in, in Florida and makes his money by uh, raising money for projects through selling visas, essentially. Uh, it's a very, wow. you could do a, a whole podcast on, on, on that. I've learned a lot about that over the years. Um, but so basically this guy, when he got that, he was like, okay, that's interesting, but I need to figure out what I'm doing with this place. Um, and the pandemic is not helping me figure out and make any long-term decisions. So he basically put it on hold. Um, you know, Lywicki, having got to know him over the years, is not a sit-tight person. He just wants to move and move and move. So I think he was very interested in the beginning. And now I don't know if he has any interest uh, and at all. What's the future of that place? You know, 
right now they're trying to figure that out. Uh, they haven't paid rent. They had a deal with the county to not pay rent uh, during the pandemic until all restrictions were lifted. They, I think that ex- until six months, I'm sorry, after all restrictions have been lifted. So they have not wow. paid rent yet. And that date is in February. So they're not going to pay rent till February. So that's when it becomes real for them uh, on what the future is. They're trying to get acts in there now. If you look on their schedule, I think they had Michael Buble play. They had um, uh, this like YouTube group. I can't remember their name uh, play. And then the next after that is like Elton John's like rescheduled concert times like five is playing in the spring. And after that, they have nothing uh, except for Long Island Nets uh, games. So they, they have a really... A uh, big thing to figure out. They're hoping they're. Uh, this is a long answer for for your question. I apologize, but they're they're hoping that they're going to develop the land around it, and this will become like a focal point. But you know, mm. developments are hard in normal times, and and this is a, not a normal time. So I, I would say that the future of the Coliseum was was in question. Um, you know. Before this, I don't think that livelihood of the Coliseum was in question, but the future of it, like what would it look like now? I think the future of it is very much in question. The livelihood's in question of it because what's that development going to look like? They need to figure that out. And and before you, you know, you go to bed, come back, wake up and there's a new county executive in there. And what's his plan for it? So there's all types of questions with the future of the Coliseum. Could Memorial Sloan Kettering Nassau Cancer Center, could Hofstra, could those local players be involved or could the building be torn down? Are there these infinite possibilities? I drove by it today and I saw the Memorial Sloan um, uh, Cancer Center, I think it is. Uh, and it was like, it was actually refreshing to see it because it was like something that's actually on the on the grounds and, and built and yeah. presumably being used. Um, you know, I, I think I think everything's on the table in the sense, um, except for the fact that one caveat is that there is a lease on the, that someone owns the lease and they can't just tear it down and tear up the lease uh, because there's people that have to be paid back. Um, you know, so, so, and they have to, so basically they have to cure that. Uh, and that's not an easy solution. Oh, yeah. I, th- I think the first thing that they're going to figure out is what's going to be the development around that, uh, that property. Now, They've been talking about developing it for literally 50 years and it's never yeah. been developed. So let's see them actually put a shovel in the ground uh, until then, uh, you know, they have to try like heck to get ax. And, and if you look at UBS arenas um, uh, schedule, they're getting the, um, the Disney on ices and the mm-hmm. stuff like that. That's like, those are date fillers in the, the, you know, those are good for arenas because it puts people in the seats and brings them to there on days when there's no arena and there's no big concert. And, and right now those acts that used to be at the Coliseum are now at UBS arena. And that's a bad sign for the Coliseum. Yeah. And there's not just the Coliseum UBS arena, as you mentioned earlier, there's Madison square garden, Barclay center and Prudential center too. So there's a lot of competition in a very small area. Yeah. And, and, and come summertime, I mean, concerts are in Forest Hills, concerts are at City Field and even that small, yeah, Jones Beach, of course. And then the Westbury has that small little theater too. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I will say I'm confident if, uh, if the surrounding area around the Coliseum actually got developed in some form that, that the Coliseum has a whole, has a home in its current use, because it could be a convention center like uh, place. Uh, but but right now, every day that that doesn't move forward is, is a day closer to its death. That's very sad. But one thing that certainly isn't is recently you've been giving back as a student newspaper advisor. 
the student newspaper is very important on a college campus. I can personally attest to that. So how great has that been for you? I, I love it. I, I, I'm at St. John's. I'm, uh, I've been doing this in 2012. This is my year 10. Wow. Um, at the beginning, I felt like an older brother, but somehow they stay the same age every year and I get older, you know, yep. because the, the, so it, I now feel like a father figure and it feels a little, it keeps me young, but it also makes me feel a little old at the same time. But no, it's that the college, the student newspaper at St. John's is where I made my mistakes and I made very mm-hmm. lots of them uh, from 1996 to 2000. So I can date myself. Um, but it also showed me this is what I wanted to do. And what I always tell people is that um, the best thing about a student newspaper is you make those mistakes that you would have made in year one, two, and three, and four at the job. And on years one, two, three, and four, you can get fired, you know, at the student mm-hmm. newspaper, you have to do a lot to get fired from an unpaid gig yes. that's volunteer. So, so like, you might as well get that experience and also figure it out if you really like it and really want to do this and then, um, and, and make those mistakes, you know? So, so I did that. And then, I, so in these last 10 years, I've been helping students do that. And, and, and they're also reporting real stories and, yeah. and my rec, my recollection of my four years, you know, I'm sure I, I'm sure I'm not giving myself too much credit, but like, it didn't feel like I was doing real stories, you know, it, it didn't feel like I, I, I had the mind I do now. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad for the students to do that. And, and student newspapers, you know, they are the lifeblood of tomorrow or even today's journalists, because everybody's a journalist today with Twitter yeah. and everything. So it, you know, it's I do not have a bad word to say about student media. That's awesome. And I personally have similar goals of going into the field and then giving back because I think that's very important. So it's very nice that you've been able to do that and really come full circle. Cool. I appreciate it. Of course. So that was a great interview. I really learned a lot personally about UBS Arena, the Nassau Coliseum. And I think a lot of listeners just have a feeling they're going to walk right by that sign and tailgate and live life like normal. But that was the first time I heard that this rule might actually be enforced. So before Saturday, guys, get your backup plans going, because when you're showing up at 9 a.m. to start tailgating, you might be turned aside. So thank you so, so much for your time today. Once again, I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I, I enjoyed it. And I would say to anyone out there, if you do get a ticket for honking, please let me know. because That's a good story. Yeah, that's a great one. I wonder if it's the horses might get spooked. That's one of the only things that I'm thinking or the local community members. It's definitely the local community because the north um, parking lot is close to houses. Uh, really? If you look at the map, uh, if you look at like Google Maps and just look at Belmont Park, the major uh, parking lot is, I mean, you're, people, I don't know if they realize they're going to be taking a shuttle bus to the arena yeah. or doing a walk. Uh, I mean, so it's a pretty good distance away. But the north lot, which used to be just all like uh, grass and gravel, they, they, you know, they paved it or were supposed to, I assume they did. Uh, you know, it's all <laughs> paved over. Um, to become parking lots, um, and, but it's it's right um, next to houses. So uh, I think that's that's the major thing. I don't think where the horse the horse barn uh, is more on the south yes eastern side, and I don't think I think that's actually going to be the furthest point from all the activity here. Um, but but maybe you know we're, we're all we're all going to be learning in the next couple of weeks. So. We certainly will. And something I learned today is that just because someone says something's going to happen in journalism. It doesn't always mean that it is. So thank you so much for reminding me of that lesson as well. Cool. Well, thank you. Of course. We'll have a good day. We'll talk soon. Cool. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.